Promo Kitchen is an all-volunteer, nonprofit organization committed to the advancement of the promotional products industry through education and mentorship. If you want to get more involved, please visit us on the web at promokitchen.org. One of the ways you can get involved is by donating to our cause. We rely on our community for financial support to help cover the cost of producing our educational content and our networking mixers. You can donate today right from your phone at promokitchen.org donate. Thank you so much, and let's get started with the show. Hey everyone, we've got a really special episode of the Promo Kitchen podcast for you today. And it's special because Jason Lukash of Org Audio fame is going to lead things off with our little introduction of our guest today. Jason, take it over, my friend. Hey, thanks, Mark. We're joined here by the box of misfit toys. I call them the rebels in the industry, the people that just want to stir the pot and wreak havoc. And some of my favorites here are joining us today on this Promo Kitchen podcast. In no particular order, actually, it is in particular order of people I like the best, starting off with Mark Graham, <laughs> one of the co-founders and owners of Common Skew, all-around chef, rebel, sous-chef extraordinaire. We've also got Bill Petrie here, who's just the neutral voice of reason within this industry, I think, even though he's not neutral whatsoever, but all-around Texas A&M alumni and Gigum fan, if we want to say that as well. Uh, we we've do. Got, <laughs> we've got Kevin Mullaney, Brand Detail. One of my favorite people because he always wears a bow tie, and that's just badass. Five years in the industry, he's one of the partners at Brandito, which has been around for six years. 32 years old, went to Radford University, even though he mistyped it in his biography, graduated <laughs> in 2006. And he's uh, he's an all-time uh, professional taco eater, golf <laughs> golfer, and all he does is push product. And then my least favorite person in this podcast today, we've got uh, Roger Wasson, 39 years old out of Springfield, Missouri, from Elite Promotions. He's been in the business since he graduated Westminster College in Fulton, Missouri, which is in the middle of freaking nowhere, 17 years ago. (laughs) It's his family business. His dad started it in the basement, which is shady. And then him and his sister took over it 12 years ago. He does all sorts of promotional product projects for all sorts of industries. He's not saving lives, ladies. He's saving picnics. So with no further ado, everyone, welcome to the Thunderdome. Yay. Jason, are you looking for like a new job? Because I think that intro is like way better than anything I've ever done over the last, you know, couple of years. Well, it's the first one you let me do. So I'm taking your job. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, listen, I have a question. So, you know, Jason is talking this big game about (laughs) doing this rebel podcast and which I think was really, really cool. And he said, you know, I've got these two guys that are, you know, badass rebels. And so I'm curious what makes you a rebel, Kevin, and then Roger, you get into it, and then I'm going to shut up and just listen. Nice. I'll kick this thing off. I think the first thing that when people you know sit down for a first client meeting or even when a, a supplier comes and tries to get us to push their line more, you know, that feeling out phase is, is a little different. People are courted a little bit differently. For us, I mean, I can think when, you know, you asked me in high school, what did I be when I wanted to grow up? It certainly wasn't a vendor. I don't think any of us like the term vendor just as much as a lot of people in this industry don't like the term swag. So it's about partnerships. It's about really getting in front of your clients and understanding exactly what they're doing, what they're needing, as opposed to the old school version of, you know, 
sweater vests and bad mustaches and too much arm hair. Wait, that old. still exists, by the way, in this industry, dude. <laughs> Which, yeah, so, have, you not, have you not walked a trade show recently? <laughs> so, so for the people that don't know how to log into podcasts. <laughs> there you go. Um, well, email address. Thank you. Exactly. I'd say that's the demographic that I'm referring to. But really, the idea, in my opinion, is just trying to mirror what's going on in the retail world and the fashion world and bringing that to life. And, you know, the way I kind of describe it for our services is that I'm like the Flava Flav. And my president is like the Chuck D with the lyrics and the operations. I, I'm just a, I'm just a hype man here. But when I get into a client's meeting, I, I want to be their Flava Flav. Uh, I want to be their hype man as well. So that's really it is. It's about creating excitement. It's about creating excitement with product. And you know, the last thing I'll say, so I can pass the mic um, to someone else on the board. But you know, the biggest thing is, is something like awards. People come to us and try and sell us awards all the time, and they're like, "Well, what's your percentage of awards for your business?" I was like, zero percent." Like, what do you mean? You're not killing it with acrylics? And I'm just like, "For what?" You know what I mean? And it's like, you know, you want to do something that people are going to wear. You want to do something that's going to be like, "Ooh." You know, I don't want to quit at four years because look at the dope headphones I get at five years. You know what I mean? Like if you can keep someone on for an extra year on your staff, even though they're completely miserable in their job because of an anniversary gift, now we're talking some business here. So that's really how we go about it from a pen to a t-shirt. We look at it all the same way is, is where are you delivering value? And I think, you know, how are you disrupting the current market from the status quo of, of catalog droppers and, and bad arm hair? Mm. <laughs> God. Speaking of bad arm hair, Roger. Oh, perfect. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I don't even understand the question. I like, I like we are the Amazon, if you will. It's the Amazon generation. Nobody likes to talk to anybody, or at least I I hate talking to people. I like just email. Which is why you're so, on a podcast. I know. With four other people. <laughs> I've been drinking since noon, so it's fine. Um, I like to just get stuff done as fast as possible, you know. I try to get my clients taken care of before my competition even has a bid back to them. I feel like if people are interested, strike by the iron's hot, nail it, and then move on. It's not glamorous, but it works in the Midwest. Because <laughs> people are slow. I, I need, yeah, I need to jump in here. So when I was asked to be on the Rebel podcast, I assumed Andre Agassi would be on here. So I'm a little disappointed. <laughs> First of all, I do have a question for you two guys. So you guys are moving and shaking things in the industry, and, and we talked about the arm hair contingent, which I think I'll use forever now. How do you get that arm hair contingent to push forward? How do you get them to think differently? And let's start with you, Kevin. That's really the difficult part. You nailed it right there. That's it's it's you know education really. You know when someone you first have that. I'm working on it right now. You know we've got a first time client, first project. And they want to see stuff like umbrellas for anniversary gifts. And we're looking at, you know, again, like, sure, I, I guess an umbrella is useful at times, but, you know, not for an anniversary gift, not saying, hey, thanks for all your hard work. You know, I don't know. It's, you've got to start with doing what they're asking. You can't just totally neglect their request. So you have to say, hey, great. You know, oh, you're interested in umbrellas. Like what anniversary would that be for? Year one, year three, year five? Okay, great. So your budget's around $25. Well, what about something like this? And, and I'm not trying to throw softballs over to Jason and Org Audio all day, but you know, why not a personalized speaker? Why not a, 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 you know, something like that where people are actually going to see it, hear it, and see that company logo as opposed to, like I said, something that's going to be stashed in your closet and hopefully you never have to use it, i.e. your umbrella. 
I'm understanding that I'm currently losing EQP with shed rain the more and more I talk, but that's really how it is. You, you know, I think you start with, yes, exactly like Roger said, like getting that umbrella pricing to them ASAP, but then offering alternative suggestions in that price range that are really going to blow them out. It's funny that you say that, Roger, that there's our good friend, and you guys may know him as well, Danny Rosen with Brand Fuel, legend in the industry, and also, I would say, probably one of the biggest badass rebels out there. And I say that with great love, Danny, when you're listening to this, that Danny has famously said that if his client comes to him and says that they want to order stress toys, that he'll refuse the order. And when I say, Danny, what are you talking about? Like, it could be an easy order, just write the order of stress toys. And he says, I'm just morally opposed to stress toys. I think they're a terrible promotional product. That's his words, not mine. And I will either refuse the order or pivot them into something else that I think is, you know, going to add more value to their brand. You can tell this podcast is not being sponsored by a uh, stress <laughs> toy company right now. Is this um, Danny guy? But, but that's what Danny says. Tell Danny to send his stress ball orders to me. I'll be more than happy to fill them. <laughs> Yeah, I know. I know. It is seriously, but I, mean, I just sold 10,000 stress brains. So let's just keep going. <laughs> exactly. Why isn't Danny on the Rebel podcast? We're sick of that guy. <laughs> yeah. Oh, perfect. Good. He's all over the place. Yeah. Bill's the lukewarm substitute for Danny Rosen today. <laughs> hey, let's really quickly. I wanted to talk about some of the first instances I had of meeting these jokers here. Yep. And, you know, let's start with Roger. I was at a facilitate event and this dude walks into my room. And probably the same attire as me, which is no pants ever, just flip-flops and shorts. And it was kind of awkward because we both didn't have pants on. But anyways, that's another story for another day. But um, he sits down on my couch and, you know, I do my orgato spiel, which is just like, hey, buy cool shit from us. Yeah, whatever. And <laughs> that, that, That's the exact verbatim. <laughs> and I started talking to him and Roger had some attitude. And I'm like, who the fuck? Like, who is this dude right now? But I kind of liked it because he was playing... He's playing hard to get with me, which is not usually yeah. how it's worked out in the past for me. Did, did that make your promo pants go crazy? <laughs> and the couch luckily had a pull-out sofa. But anyways, um, so I was like, how can I get you to sell more of my stuff? And he's like, just whenever you send me an email, just have the subject line be, sell my shit, jackass, right? So No, no, it's, hey, jackass, sell uh, my hey, shit. Hey, jackass, sell my shit. <laughs> so for about two years, you know, like him and I going back and forth on this email chain, it's just like, hey, jackass, sell my shit. And ever since that day, I fell in love. And for multiple reasons, one, he played hard to get, which I think as a distributor, you need to do from time to time and be like, you know, Danny Rosen and not take the stress ball order. And two, have attitude and do it successfully well, which I think he did. Now, speaking of bow ties, any person in a bow tie is just damn sexy in my mind, because one, I don't know how to tie one. And two, someone taught me once and I still don't know how to tie one. So when I first saw Kevin, I realized he was a true Southern gentleman. And Brandito, I think, is a cool distributor that really pushes the limits, not just on social media, whether it's put your swag on, even though Kevin said he hates the word swag, but I know they use it all the time internally and externally. (laughs) But two, I think in a market that they're in, which is Virginia, which is a very traditional, old school, southern style type of state to just go in and wreak havoc like they've done. Kudos to you guys for doing that. So when I first came in contact with Brandito, I was like, anyone that's stirring the pot in Virginia, I'm on board with. So and then Bill's just just sexy anyways but well i appreciate that jason that and that's kind of another way i guess i should have just led with this for as far as being a rebel is concerned we were originally shaco marketing group when i joined in 
And that could be anything. You know, we could be selling you stocks. We could be selling you paper materials. We could be selling you concrete as Shaco Marketing Group. You have no idea what you are <laughs> in that name. Prestige worldwide. So, Exactly. So there's this local restaurant here in Richmond. It's called Bandito's, where I spent the good part of my 23 to 29 year old days. And that's exactly what I said. I was like, why don't we come Brandito? And they're like, we can't be a a cha cha's Latina cantina Mexican girl. And I was like, no. I was like, that's if you're thinking, why not? Exactly. Right. I was like, chips and salsa. <laughs> but you know that's just Richmond. Richmond thinks of brand banditos as you know chips and salsa. But nationally, why wouldn't we be the outlaws of corporate apparel and promotional marketing? Don't yeah. hide behind what you're going to do. You know, like Mulaney marketing. No one's going to buy from that idiot. You yeah. know. <laughs> <laughs> but that's my opinion. You know, like it, this is a fun, fun industry. So you've got to be able to have fun with it, and that's yeah. you know part of the spiel with the bow tie. I've tried to create like a WWE professional wrestler <laughs> bio for me and it, and it came out pretty lame when I typed it to Jason this morning. But, yeah, because you spelled um, your alma mater incorrectly. That's spell check. No one understands where Radford is. Yeah, but it universe. also shows the caliber of people they lend to Radford. Exactly. Kids that don't proofread that have enough ADD <laughs> to get from coffee to Mountain Dew at lunch. <laughs> <laughs> I promise I'll start talking about something that can benefit the rest of the people listening eventually. <laughs> but right, right now, I'm just having some fun with you guys. Roger, oh, Roger, wow. talk about the, the couch scenario. I, I just want to see how it played through in your mind. Uh, it was the last morning of Facilitate, and nobody wanted to be there. And you were my second to last meeting. And I, wa- I actually think I hoverboarded in just because I'm – no, I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> I walk in. Jason's got the bumpster going, and looks like he just woke up. And so I'm pretty impressed with his half-assed presentation, his lack of knowledge, his F-bombs, and his throwing competition under the bus, and his low minimums. So I just said, don't send me this generic bullshit. Oh, so nice to meet you. Facilitate. Here's our pricing. Da-da-da-da-da. I go, if you want my attention in the subject line, you have to put, hey, jackass, sell my shit. And the weird thing is, is every time I go to a presentation or anything like that, I tell everybody the exact same thing. And I think two people have done it, and Jason's one of them, and nobody else will do it because it's not professional, but I don't care. Like It means you're actually paying attention and trying to take care of me, which I mean, I think that's very valuable for a vendor. So. Yeah. Well, that's a bigger premium than being professional, because what does professional even mean? Right. Yeah. You know what? I want to talk about Jason's weird sales approach, but- Oh, please. I, and just curious. I mean, Jason, I'll ask you this question because I think you'd be able to respond to this well, but- you know, my impression of Origadio is that you guys have been successful with being able to sell to jackasses like <laughs> Roger because that's the manner in which he wants to be dealt with, yeah. right? And you listen to that. And as opposed to you sending a super lame email to Roger saying like, dear Mr. Wasson, it's a re- great pleasure to meet Wasson, you, which Wasson. he's going to ignore, right? No, no, no. I'd say that on he's purpose Canadian. so that he could that's like fine. mispronounce yeah. it. Yeah, yeah perfect. And uh, anyways, so... So Jason, you listen to that, right? But you don't just sell your product to like crazy guys like (laughs) Kevin and Roger. Like you've been successful because you've also been able to sell to some pretty conservative distributors that sell to pretty conservative clients as well. And my guess is that when you're rolling into a conservative distributor, you're not saying, hey, jackass, sell my shit. You're probably adjusting to his or her, you know, sales environment and connecting with their needs. Yeah, for sure. And- Maybe you're doing that begrudgingly, or maybe you're like, hey, I'm just a smart business person. That's how I roll. 
But this is less of maybe a question and more just a comment that I think that the most successful among us in this business, whether you're a service provider, a distributor, or a supplier, are able to adapt to this weird marketplace that is not homogeneous at all, right? It's you've got young people, you've got old people, you've got people in big cities, you've got people in the sticks, you've got people who like Hillary, you got people who like Donald, you got people who are Canadians, like you have to adapt. And I think the very best among us are the ones that are able to do that. And so I, I just reflect on that story when you're facilitating, you're dealing with Roger in one way and you're dealing with other people in a different yeah, way. Yeah. I mean, usually I change and I wear pants and I say, hey, shitheads, my stuff instead of jackass. So <laughs> no, I don't know. I mean, I'm pretty good at reading a room. I think I can tell and I can clean up as needed, but also you know, we kind of have our mentality. Well, this is honestly people that know me in personal life. Like this is how I am too. And this is how Mike is. Mike's a little more conservative than I am, but it's just like, this is what we're going to do. And we're going to keep doing it our way. And if you want to be part of it, jump on the gravy train. If not, I don't care. Go buy from Leeds or Gemline or whoever else you're buying off the shelf Shenzhen stuff from, you know? And I I think I associate better with the Rogers and the Kevins of the world because they like that mentality and they're on board with that same mentality too. But, you know, like to further the question and what Mark brought up to these guys for distributors, this distributor model is old school ass backwards and it's been that way and, and it's changing I think for the better because there are people like this in the world like the Kevins and the Rogers but honestly guys like how do you really foresee distributors being played out in the future like you know Bill and I have talked about this behind closed doors even though they're open doors and saying distributors will be obsolete we think in the next three to five years right Bill I think a good portion of yeah. I think the ones that can't add any sort of value to the transaction, at some point, the end users are going to say, you know what, you're just adding a layer of friction for me getting my stuff and a layer of price and cost. So I'd rather just go direct. And if you look at the landscape of distributorships, there's a fair amount of them that basically are just a pass through. And, you know, there's no magic and mystery into what we do anymore. And so for the distributors who don't you know, add value, create packaging, create programs. There's really not a world for them, I don't think, in three to five years. Yeah, the mustache and long arm haired people. I mean, <laughs> well, I would wonder if there's a world for that right <laughs> well, now. There is. It's San Francisco, <laughs> California. No, but like, well, it's interesting to me. I, I think, you know, for distributors, I think, you know, you're obviously seeing a lot of, you know, bigger companies take on smaller companies and acquisitions always going to be alive in this industry. The interesting, I guess, part of the chain in this salesmanship that we're currently in is kind of like the multi-line rep. That's, I guess, my first concern would be to say, you know, look, I can develop a better sales team internally at, you know, i.e. Gemline that I don't need a direct rep. I mean, I can just go to the site, you know, like, do I need a rep in here if there's, you know, the annual shows and then there's so many local shows that we have here, I know. Virginia's got VAPA and they do two shows a year. So, you know, do we need reps coming into our office for these individual one-on-one, you know, meetings or can they just send someone out for these big shows? So the, those are the kind of the people that I'm first and foremost worried about because oh, sure. those are the people that we work with directly. But yes, I do think that if you're not adding value, you're absolutely become obsolete in this industry where you can just go online. I mean, I'm sure, Roger, you deal with it all the time. Oh, I can get this online for four ninety nine. I'll tell them to run. I'll be like, go and get it. If you can get it for that cheap and someone's willing to just sacrifice margin for this one order, great. 
but they're not selling to Walmart. There's no contract in place that's going to say someone's going to buy that shirt from you for the next five years. You know, to do a shirt for three dollars, you know, on one order, it's just pointless for us. I'll take it. Um, <laughs> I rarely fire clients, but I have occasionally. Yeah, I hate the twelve shirts, but my biggest client came from doing eighteen shirts because she needed a favor, and then that got me in the door. So it's hard for me to say no to people. But at the same time, like the markup on those is ridiculous just because it's my time. Going back to what you're saying about us being obsolete, God, I hope not. But I think that the... Uh, the shitty ones will be obsolete, not you. Oh, absolutely. But I, I think that even today, like vendor reps, like I, I never ask for my outside rep because they can't do anything for me. It's the inside rep that's at the home office with inventory, with pricing, with supervisors. I need their personal information because the other guy's on the road all the time, so I, he can't help me. I tell everybody, like, if you want my business, give me an inside rep and her personal cell phone number because that's the only way I can do business right now. Is that because you've just found that the outside rep is just like there more for like shaking hands and kissing babies, but is not particularly useful on a day-to-day basis? Feels like it, yeah. Yeah, typically that's the way I'm dealing with it as well is that they're, again, if you will, they're the hype man and they get you excited about the line, but pricing, orders, it's all going to be handled by the inside rep. And that really is who you want the relationship with because, yeah, those outside reps are out on the road the whole time in meetings. And if, Roger, it sounds like you are, I mean, the biggest thing for me is speed. I need answers. I need them quick. Can you meet this delivery date? If so, you'll have an order within 30 seconds. Um, But these you know, outside reps, I mean, sometimes it'll take them one or two days to get back to you. I was going to say, speaking of obsolete, I want to talk about ASI. And oh boy. Kevin and Roger and Bill and Mark will, will leave your opinion possibly neutral. But Kevin and Roger, what do you guys think of ASI? Like, what do you think of like people that are just like scouring like ESP for stuff and mailing catalogs? Like, there's lots of reasons why I think ASI is ridiculous. But I used to have an ASI distributor membership a while ago just so we could search ESP and see what other people were selling shit for. And Tim Andrews will give a you know, an ASI membership to anyone with a pulse and a credit card, right? Bill, I think you'll agree to this conversation, but I I believe I've heard that before. I just think it's such an old school mentality. And, you know, we used to get just boxes each month of just like random catalogs in the mail that I would just dump in the trash. And I just felt bad about the whole thing. And I I just, it makes no sense to me. So I want to ask the two rebels, what do you think of ASI? And where do you see it being one year, five years, 10 years down the road? Roger, I'll let you start first. Oh, perfect. <laughs> uh, yes. Who would like to dip their toe into the fiery cauldron of this question? Yeah. Well, see, Jason's not going to like it because I don't hate ASI. I mean, I tolerate them. And you guys, I mean, everybody listening to this is going to laugh. We still run ASI Profit Maker and we still fax orders in. Well, uh, <laughs> yes, this is true. This is very true. And no, I don't love it, but it's one of those... If it ain't broken, I don't have time to fix it. So, yeah, I mean, I've looked at Comiskey, I've looked at other stuff, but we don't have time to, like, I'm scared to death to do the bullet mentality where, if you guys remember, like, two years ago, they changed everything and shot themselves in the foot for 18 months. I don't have that time. So, to answer the question, no, ASI is not awesome, but I use Sage, not ESP, so that's how backwards I am. Mark, can we make sure he gets, like, a proper Comiskey demo? There's just someone that can benefit tremendously. Uh, hey, Roger, we, <laughs> we, we can talk offline. Roger, please no artwork faxes anymore. I laugh and I, you know, like we email our artwork in. We're, we're that advanced, but we do fax probably 90% of our orders. Really? Wow. The biggest PO wow. I've ever received in my life last year and this year were both faxed to me from my clients. So 
I'm doing something right. Absolutely. It sounds like you are. I always tell, like, I'll get like a paper form or a submittal form from a supplier and they'll say, hey, I need you to fax and sign this. I'll be like, I'm writing you right now. I'm emailing you saying Kevin Mullaney approves this approved. Please proceed to production. If you need me to fax this order, I will cancel it immediately. Just because, I mean, I'll be honest, I don't know how to use a fax machine. (laughs) Yeah, my parents had one growing up. And I just remember like running that shitty paper through it. But that's crazy. But for me, I mean, we use ESP web. It is a everyday tool from our reps here. I don't see any other value that I'm getting from, you know, ASI or anything like that. You know, there's just, to be honest with you, I don't necessarily understand their business completely. You know, I met with a bunch of people out at Sage and it seems like they've got some good online store and e-commerce products for a lot less than what we are using, which is Shopify. So I think, you know, we're about to get started with some of those folks for some stores that just kind of need inventory management, if you will, for some programs that I have. But ESP web is really what we're using. So they don't annoy me. I'm not inundated with catalogs. I'm inundated with other catalogs, but not theirs. And I don't have reps, you know, calling me and annoying me. So I've got no beef with that team. I've got a question here. So you both mentioned in terms of really educating your customers and and what you do, how you do what you do and in converting them. What about internally in your own reps? What do you look for in education? And the reason I ask is I was actually in Richmond last week at VAPA. I did their education session targeted at end users. Heard it was great. I paid a lot of people (laughs) to say that. So hey, there's some serious promo kitchen money I threw around last week. What do you guys look for in terms of educating either yourselves or your team internally? That's the toughest part, I think, about, you know, when we're talking about where distributors are going to die is is finding new talent. We've always gone outside of the industry and find people that are just solid sales reps, people that we'd want to hang out with, people we'd want to have in front of their clients, people we'd want to have a beer with. But it really comes in whether, you know, we're walking the halls of VAPA or we're in Vegas and you're stopping and you're talking to them and you're saying, hey, this is hit. We use them for this and this, this and this. But it's really just about kind of bringing them on, showing them the ropes. We take a very consultative approach. So it's a lot about education and coaching. We don't have a catalog. I don't have a catalog that I can just drop off to someone and be like, hey, thumb through this and then call me when you need anything. The the dropping off of catalog is the calling card for I'm not going to be in business in 18 months. Fax your freaking catalog, man. And real (laughs) quick, sorry to sidetrack because I don't think I was going anywhere with my comment anyway. Um, Redford University. You guys have seen a theme of (laughs) Redford. I asked the gentleman from Gemline. He might have been running the joint. But he said that they went to completely electronic catalog. He said it wasn't for a financial reason. It was for get to, towards the millennials and the new buying habits. I asked him how much that cost him to switch from paper catalogs to an online tool. And he said it's costing them more money right now than it is to print and ship those catalogs. Can someone tell me that's bullshit? That's got, that's got to be bullshit in shipping alone, right? How is that even possible? And I just, I heard that. And obviously I didn't say anything afterwards because I wasn't going to talk about his own P&L and say, oh, that's not right. But I mean, that's, that's got to be insane, right? <laughs> I'm like going to Google their catalog right now and just see what the heck they're, are they spending like $20,000 a month to host it or something? Or like, I'd imagine one transfer to get all that data onto, a, you know, whatever source they're using would be time consuming. Sure. But the cost year over year have got to benefit Gemline or anyone that would go to just a, a straight e-catalog as opposed to, I mean, we get, every time I get a rep in, they leave us 12 catalogs. We've only got seven reps. We've got two offices. The most I can need is two catalogs. Two years ago, we didn't make a catalog in 2013. And it was like uproar. It was like, we were like 
hanging children. Like, you wouldn't believe how much backlash we got at ASI Orlando, which was the first show. We're like, oh, yeah, it's just online. And people are like, the internet? Oh, my God. And um, then we're like, oh, shit, for PPI, we need to make some freaking paper and staple it together and pretend like we have a catalog. But I just, I can't believe that for those guys, it's costing them more to host an online catalog versus the paper, you know? Yeah, that's what I thought. But Bill, I guess back to what I was saying is that, you know, back to your question, which is how do you, I don't even, I don't even remember my question. (laughs) (laughs) It it was, how do you educate your clients? And I think that's it by saying, Hey, don't go to my website. I literally tell people if they want to go to their website, it's like going into a library, not knowing what you want to read and trying to find (laughs) a book by the Dewey decimal system. I mean, because they're going to find shitty product and then they're going to say, Ooh, I want this for 12 cents. You know, what's the minimum? Like, you know, everyone's favorite question, what's the minimum? But, you know, and then I've got to start talking them into a dollar koozie that actually is going to get some use, but their frame has been shifted to a 30 cent koozie. So by the time I get to actually show quality product, you know, I'm at a three times higher markup when they were originally ready to budget for that type of product. So I think it starts with education saying, hey, call me anytime you have an idea or a project. Let me put together these ideas for you, as opposed to, do you have a website? Do you have a catalog? I just want to thumb through some stuff. What about educating your internal people? Because obviously you want them to sell a certain way, present a certain way, and educate their clients in a certain way. Where do you go for that education? And that's just really kind of, you know, we do the good old fun role playing, you know, not the type that you guys do on the weekends with your wives, but, you know, (laughs) the uncomfortable, hi, my name's Kevin, and you're talking to your boss and he's in the office next to you, you know? But we also do it, you know, we do the stepbrothers (laughs) interview approach where we go tandem until we're finally ready and which is, you know, I still have my CEO come in on meetings with me all the time. But, you know, sometimes it's just letting them learn, letting them learn how you're taking the approach. And then until they're ready to really roll on themselves, you're always kind of with them on these first meetings with clients. And then they're always asking you. I mean, no one knows like, hey, where do I get a sweatshirt? Where do we go for t-shirts? Who do we have EQP with for this? And you kind of basically mirror what you've been doing and pass that along to them. I know it sounds basic, but it's just basic no. training. No, that's good. No, it's good. Good answer. I, I, have a qu- I have a couple of questions. How shitty is my microphone? Well, it's shitty, but it's less shitty than it was a few minutes ago. Okay, it's good. as shitty as your fax machine. <laughs> I, I, I'm just going to stand right here, so maybe it's a little decent. I'm starting to realize why I'm on the Rebel podcast, because <laughs> I am the Rebel of the Rebel, because I fax my orders in. and You're the ironic Rebel. Yeah. yeah. There you go. I'm the hipster Rebel. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. And it's weird. I'm actually getting more into catalogs these days, and it's weird. I know people hate that, but... If a customer calls me and says, I'm looking for a Sharpie or I'm looking for a can holder, I can send them a link you know, to the exact piece they're looking for or whatever, and it's done. But if I send them a catalog, they'll actually flip through it, and then they'll find bags and other tchotchke and BS stuff. I don't know. I've, I've just gives them a, a chance to look at more stuff, which is yeah. really weird and stupid. But Do you ever attach like a little yellow sticky note on the front of the catalog that says, hey, client... <laughs> thumb through this and give me a call and tell me what you want yeah no i mean we're, we're not that advanced yet give us give us five years <laughs> that's that's really interesting that's too advanced for this guy yeah 
Bill, I think you're going to have to like blog post about this, you know, on the brand of eight blog. I, like, this goes I against may. everything you write about. This is absolutely against everything <laughs> I hold to be true. So I'm, I'm a little out of sorts right now. Yeah, so fax machine be... catalog. Do you use also thermal paper on that fax machine, the rolled paper? No, we, we have carbon paper for our handwritten orders. Awesome. In your office, do you also have someone with a drink cart rolling by at three o'clock like Mad Men? Or... Yeah. Of course, yeah. Okay, cool. Again, I'm just trying to paint a mental image. This is radio, so I'm trying to paint a mental picture for the audience here as you guys sit around your fax machine smoking Lucky Strikes. Roger Sterling. And- that's my last name. <laughs> Roger Sterling. <laughs> that's right. Not Wasson. No. And another thing is we don't train or hire salespeople because we've hired and trained all of our competition hmm. in the area. So Really? We haven't hired a new person for sales in 12 years. <laughs> what planet are you from, Roger? Springfield, Missouri. <laughs> Roger, what are you doing now? Are you just bringing in more inside sales reps and then you're kind of doing all the sales yourself or you have a, a team in place and then passing those accounts along to the inside team? How exactly is it rolling? No, we just, everybody takes care of whatever they bring in and move forward. <laughs> I had an assistant for seven years. She got pregnant and left. And I've gone through three assistants in five years. And I haven't had an assistant in 15 months. And it's been the best 15 months of my career. It's weird. Wow. Uh, I'm, That's amazing. I'm, <laughs> yeah, hipster. And how big are you guys, Roger? How many employees? 12. Cool. We're at seven, so we're not much different in size. There you go. Roger, where do you keep your mimeograph machine? <laughs> Hold on, the mail cart's going by. Hold on. <laughs> oh. Hey, Roger, I, I, so I'm super curious here. So like what's interesting about your business is that it's second generation, right? Like your dad started the company, you know, however long ago or more than 17 years ago, given that you've been in the business for 17 years. Anyways, it's been around for a while. Your dad is no longer involved in the business. When you think about the business your dad started versus the business that you head up today without him, are they similar or are you the kind of son that stepped in when you had control and said, all right, dad, I'm cleaning house here and I'm reshaping how we go to market, reshaping the systems, although I doubt that given you're hot on the fax machine. But you know, outside of that, have you rebelled against your dad's model so you could bring it into 2016? Or did your dad create a brilliant model that you've kind of taken on and have not really changed? No, my dad worked himself to death. So, I mean, he's still alive. Thank God. But Well, that's a cool trick. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he, he, was, he was the time that, that was up at 5 a.m. at the office at 5.30 and you know, all that crap. When I joined, we didn't have email. We didn't have internet. It was, you know, it was weird. So obviously I haven't changed it that much because we're still <laughs> doing a lot of what he does, faxing orders and everything like that. The thing is like my older sister's here too. So I'm still the younger brother. So, you know, it's hard to get stuff all the way to the top because it's, it's working. So we're not going to change it that much, which is, I know, stupid. And I'll be the guy that's gone in five years. <laughs> You've had a good time. run though. <laughs> <laughs> Solid. I can go work for Origadio as an outside rep or something. Yeah, we'll uh, try to find a fax machine. Perfect. I don't think that's going to work. Did I answer the question? <laughs> Not really, but it's okay. Perfect. Well, no, I think you did in that, you know, you said your dad was a workaholic and you've jumped into the business and you're not that. <laughs> um, but but I, I, I think where I'm going with this is like, I, I've seen a ton of distributors, particularly distributors that are second generation businesses or even third generation businesses where there's a real conflict between the son or daughter that's coming into the mother or father's business. And it's because the 
parent might have started the business in a different time, might've been successful in the eighties and nineties selling a certain way. But then when technology comes about and social media comes about and, you know, like younger customers come about and you're a 30 something, you know, president that's coming in that oftentimes you'll just approach things completely differently. And then the father or the mother doesn't see eye to eye. There's a founder syndrome and the whole thing is just super awkward. Did that happen to you or it sounds like, you know, the transition was pretty smooth? No, it, we had dinner with him and said, we'd rather have a dad than a boss. So we'd like to have the opportunity to buy you out. And he said, no, you're running to the ground. Where's my money going to come from? All this stuff. And six months later, we had Father's Day dinner at his house. And he's like, I'm not coming to work tomorrow. I'm done. You guys, you, you guys got it. So he, <laughs> That's pretty awesome. He's actually. like, yeah, yeah, give me my money. We're good. So, so he stepped away cleanly after that Father's Day dinner. He just walked away cleanly. Yeah. Wow. wow. It's like better than John Elway retiring after two yeah, Super Bowls, <laughs> going out on Padre Day. <laughs> yeah, I'm out. <laughs> wow. Wow. Yeah. So, but yeah, it's weird because like it's one of those things where like we still do stuff, and I ask my sister, I'm like, why do we do this this way? Well, that's the way, Dad that's the way it was always that's done. That's the way it's done. Well, maybe we should look at tweaking it. Okay, sure. And then we'll see. Right. I'd strongly suggest the next time you know that conversation happens around the fax machine, <laughs> thinking about different communication methods. So I've, I've got a question for both you guys. And, and Kevin, why don't you start us off? So you guys are, at least as we're identifying as rebels in the industry, what do you think the industry looks like two years from today? How has it changed? Two years. Oof. Two years. Uh, to be honest with you, I don't see any monumental changes. I think that, you know, the custom inks of the world, I think the one that I see that's kind of on the horizon would be um, there's this company that locally, it's called Bonfire Funds. I'm not sure if you guys have heard about it yet, but what they do is it's uh, marketing for a cause. So, you know, the original, it started out with the VCU coach here locally. They were trying to keep them. So they were trying to raise some money. So they said, save Shaka Smart t-shirts. And they were selling them for 15 bucks. $5 would go to the shirt and then $10 would go to the organization. So I think that's an interesting area that, you know, promo for a cause or marketing for a cause will jump into this space a little bit more. I think the custom ink is really the one that people have to worry about is when you have this almost you know, franchisee type of group of printers that you can count on across the nation that can get you shirts within maybe three to five days. You know, when that starts developing with different kind of promotional products, I think that's going to be a little bit of a bear to be reckoned with because they've got the cool company culture. If they can hire good outside sales reps talent to go after corporate business like we're going after, they've got all the solutions online to kind of really sell to that end user and I think they'd be the closest B2C opportunity that we'd see on the horizon. Cool. Roger? Hopefully I'll be done with my fax machine and I'll be <laughs> emailing orders. It's faster, quicker, cheaper. That's what I'm running into. I remember when I met Jason, like his was no minimum, full color imprint, five-day production. I was like, holy shit, that's amazing. Yeah. And now nobody's able to do the minimums, but I've seen like, you know, the faster, quicker, more colors, all that stuff. Everybody's jumping on. So I call it the Amazon generation. Like I said earlier, like everybody just wants it now. And I don't know how much quicker we can do it. So I have no idea. 3D printed product delivered right instantaneously on your desk with a logo. Or drone. That's where it's going. Drone or drones. No, drones are too slow. Right when you order it, it's printed on your desk and you don't even leave your office. Is the logo spelled right or not? Incorrectly, per probably perfect. if it's fast from you. Yeah. Just reprint another one. <laughs> Hey, Roger, you know, when you say that, I'm curious, 
like when people are looking for things that are faster, better, cheaper, I think that that's what you said. You know, I'm trying to get the sense, like on one hand, it sounds like you've built a really special business. You've got a really, you know, fantastic relationship with your customers. You push back on customers who look for crappy things and challenge them to go and produce things that are better, right? So that makes you like pretty progressive and forward thinking. Where are you getting your ass kicked right now by clients? Like, where are you losing business at the present time, if you are at all? Who said I was and losing business? <laughs> there, there, there you go. That, that can be the answer. But I'm just curious, right? Like, is there a threat to your business? And Kevin, I want to get your perspective on, on this too. Is there a competitor that's starting to come in and really eat your lunch in a particular part of your business? Or have you guys kind of set up a business where you know exactly who you sell to and you're doing a fantastic job selling to that particular market because you understand everything about them and you're protecting yourself from the four imprints and the Amazons that could come in and sell it faster, cheaper, better. No, I, I always like freaking discount mugs and all those. Like I tell everybody, like they're like, hey, I found this on discount mugs. I'm like, go for it. Just yep. whenever it's screwed up, see how long it takes them to fix it. I tell all my customers to go to fourimprint.com because it's a great website and I go, go find it and I'll come back and beat the price. And that way I don't have to spend money on a website. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, it's true, but I do, I like, if you find it cheaper, go for it. And 90% of the time they come back before they place the order and like, oh, there were hidden setup charges. There's all this stuff we didn't know about. And so, I mean, I don't know. I'm, we're not getting our asses kicked like that, but I can see more people, especially the younger generation who's more internet savvy and quicker. I mean, if I tell my dad to go to foreign print, he'll just be like, oh, I don't want to. I just, I'd rather talk to you on the phone. So right. the next generation is definitely, I mean, cell phones and all that jazz. So I see us losing business there if we don't keep up. Yeah. The only business we're really not able to compete in is, you know, we get this all the time when we're trying to get in the door with a new prospect is they always ask if we're a minority owned business because then they'll add us. We're just a bunch of Caucasian kids from the West End of Richmond. So we're not playing in that. So we are losing business in that because that's a lot of the bid projects that, again, not really our wheelhouse anyway, because we don't want to just win on price. We want to win on just the value of a partnership. But the space that we're really targeting and the space that we've been the most successful is the greatest place to work surveys. Companies that are on those lists are a hot target for us because they typically care more about their employees. They typically want to invest more in their employees. And that in turn, you know, comes over to us with promo products and apparel. Last question. And it's not even a meaningful question. It's just a question that just people bitch in this promotional products group on Facebook for some reason about this all the time. What? Yeah. People complain. It's weird. Yeti. <laughs> okay. I want to know just in a sentence, what you guys think of Yeti and do you think it's cool what they're doing by not being in promo? Kevin Mullaney, you go. I love it because it's an easily identifiable retail brand and there's a ton of different versions in our space that you can offer someone. You just, again, it's back to education. Hey, we can't do Yeti, but I can get you something for a third of the cost with your logo on it. And I can get it to you within 10 business days. So I've got a Yeti. It's not that tight. They're okay. Again, it's a good retail brand where our space didn't take too long to knock off and come up with some quality product. So I'm all in on Yeti. But do you think they're being the ultimate rebel by not being in the promotional product industry? Keeping the brand like value high? Yeah, I think down the road, it might be something that they want to you know do. I, I'd imagine their sales are not hurting because of our industry. Yes, they're, yeah. they, I, you're absolutely right. They're leaving money off the table because if someone's going to pay $29 for a tumbler that you can get on ETS for 10, 
you know, more power to you. But I, I'd yeah. imagine if they could sell those at that price with a logo on it, you're absolutely right. You're leaving money on the table by not, you know, adding that vertical to your business. Roger, do they have Yeti in Missouri yet? We actually sell it. So if you want some with your logo on it, let me know. <laughs> Great plug. <laughs> we do. We have a local guy that he's a distributor for him. So we get them and laser them. So they're kind of like the Under Armour. Like everybody wants them and then everybody's trying to knock them off. And everybody's like, oh, we do Under Armour. It's just, we produce Under Armour brand, but we don't put their logo in it. So it's the same stuff. I don't know, Jason, you guys aren't even in this industry. And then all of a sudden you swapped everything over to this industry. I can see them. In a year and a half, two years, whenever the market's saturated, they'll come over here and realize a whole new industry. Yeah. Yeah. Once they realize retail sucks and promo's where it's at. Right. And on that note, promo where it's at, I want to thank the five of you guys for being on, or the four of you guys and myself for being on this podcast today. I really think uh, we dropped some knowledge, we spit some bullshit, and we probably didn't really address why you all are rebels, but in my heart, in my mind, you are. And that's what matters the most. So Aww. on behalf of Promo Kitchen, Lukash, Graham, Petrie, Mulaney, Wasson, out. It's Wasson. Fax me. <laughs> Good Wasson stuff. Wasson the fax machine. Oh, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks again for listening to this edition of the Promo Kitchen Podcast. If you like what you hear, you can subscribe to the podcast through iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. And remember, you can always get involved in the Promo Kitchen community by visiting us at promokitchen.org. You can also show your support by donating to our cause at promokitchen.org slash donate. We would sincerely appreciate it. See you next time. Thank you.